Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? What a great conversation we had. I'm sorry. Welcome to Weed and Grub. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. (laughs) That Dutch Valley's kicking in, and my brain is sharp, but my mouth is not. My mouth is not. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. This is a podcast about weed. And grub. And food. And sex. And pop culture. And lots more weed in this one. Yeah, and business. Yeah. The business of business. Yeah, this is a, a one of our Spotlight series episodes with Dutch Valley Farms. Yeah, what a incredible company! I I'm a kind of getting into craft cannabis a bit right now. Yeah, because I I like what I like, and I like when it's honed in and perfect and hand trimmed and cared about a lot, and not just from a machine. And that's what this is. And these guys have even stepped it up a notch because they're growing sustainable craft cannabis with like reclaimed rainwater and stuff, and like integrated pest management. I mean, I learned so much about. Um, growing like small batch artisanal uh, craft cannabis. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. There were moments in this conversation when a lot of it went over my head, mm-hmm. which I don't mind because that's the only way to learn. Well, and we so, were with like legitimate weed nerds. Yeah, to be an <laughs> herb nerd, but then to, to go back and start Googling uh, keywords and learn like yeah. that. I, I feel I don't feel like I can grow. But now I feel like if I the next time I go to a grow, I'll be able to ask questions and use terminology that is the right terminology to use yeah you know a little more and now you know how to sniff out different things too like we know what that blueberry kush smells like yeah like a blueberry pie smacked you in the face it's incredible well we're gonna post that picture on our instagram where we're holding up that bucket of it a bucket of weed (laughs) (laughs) i had such a good time with um jonathan and kevin yeah absolutely really quick about that oh i always say really quick on this podcast real quick it's always real quick with me except it's not in the bedroom you're taking a long time oh we're talking about the pod yeah okay (laughs) real slow (laughs) no no not that either okay come on what when you were talking about the reclaimed rainwater one of the things that i really enjoyed about this conversation is how they are just using the earth indoors to create outdoor growing situations yeah that's it's right. Fascinating. It is fascinating. The fact that they're using like beneficial insects and we talk about nematodes and we talk about, yeah, all of the things that they're doing in order to basically like recreate what the plant needs inside. While listening to what the plant needs. It's very cool. And it got really heady. It did. Mm-hmm. Well, do, should we get into it? Yeah. All right. If this is your first Spotlight series that you're listening to, check out all of them because we've talked and are going to continue to talk to some really powerful, smart caring people in the cannabis business and this is no exception yeah it's really basically you know we we just wanted to know what was behind some of the companies and brands that we really enjoy um in california and oregon and beyond and we have conversations with all kinds of people who are in the cannabis space and beyond truly but uh yeah it's just to learn like what makes a business go and what makes the brains behind it tick dutch valley farms is number one in my heart and number one in my mind right now yeah we went to Oregon to meet these guys they gave us a tour of their incredible grow facility and then we sat down and chatted with Jonathan and Kevin here it is
What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Spectacular. What a delicious day it's been. We are here at Dutch Valley Farms in Escada, Oregon, uh, with some very special guests. Please introduce yourself so everyone knows your voice is. My name is Jonathan Langston, and I'm the head grower here at Dutch Valley Farms. My name is Kevin Chesla, and I'm Johnny's assistant. Uh, I think one of the reasons as we were traveling up here that we were really excited was to learn how you are just moving with the earth, and you're like listening to the earth and giving back to it in so many ways. So if you don't mind between the two of you kind of stepping out a lot of it, I would like to just listen for a second. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we started with the water system, which, as you know, we get a fair amount of rain. Uh, We have no problem capturing enough water to fill these plants day in, day out. So everything down to our soil, uh, not only just uh, using Omri listed, but also reusing that, reclaiming that. and we are gonna uh, we we re- we're gonna reuse our cocoa for uh, our outdoor grow here in the future. Um, so that's important to us. Uh, using Omri listed inputs and predatory mites, um, things that won't get washed in the watershed and affect the salmon runs. Wait, are predatory mites good? Or yeah, bad? predatory oh, good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was so cool because I you were just telling me about the integrated. Uh, integrated pest management, right? Mm-hmm. Integrated IPM, yeah. Uh-huh. And so that's everything from um, what type of pesticides that you use, um, and just just because it's pesticide, it doesn't imply that it's that it's nasty Monsanto based. No, absolutely not. There's Omri listed. In fact, uh, the very few pesticides that were approved to use, uh, they came from the blueberry and hops uh, rules that the Oregon Department of Ag had already implemented. For blueberry and hops and hops grow very similar to cannabis so they literally just cut and paste especially in washington cut and pasted from the blueberry and hop laws and use that for cannabis mm-hmm. as a jumping off point and and again then they're always testing and, and making sure it's safe for because it's an edible like blueberries oh really yeah cannabis is considered an edible mm-hmm. and you're, con- you're, you're ingesting, ingesting. or consumable right i guess consumable, consumable. edible yeah. yeah ingestible like a blueberry delicious delicious as heck (laughs) but um with so that's all important to us uh and specifically predatory mites and their ipm first of all they're just gangster the way they the way they just track down their prey and just grab it by the head and spin it around you know bite the head off a two two spot spider mite right off oh what yeah yo like planet earth at a microscopic yeah. level. Uh-huh. And it's very difficult. I would like to get video of that under a you know, microscope. Under a, a light microscope would be sweet. But yeah. Wait, so are they kind of... I'm trying to think of the example I would use. They're almost like a like a machine gun of... They're like Mad Max road warriors <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. in yes. the soil. Yes. <laughs> they are the steampunks uh, of the insect world. And, and you can see them. The regular bugs will move very slow. And these things are just jumping. Yeah, they, are they all move over twice the place. as fast because they have to catch, you know, the, the cheetah's got to catch the gazelle, so they move twice as fast, and that's a, qu- a quick way to identify them, but we always put them under a, a microscope to make sure that it's the uh, scomitis. The uh, right ones. Stradiolelap scomitis and, and Californicus and, and the Schwartzky, the Schwartzky mite and the Rove beetle, and we use quite a bit. Rove, like Carl Rove? Like, yeah, Rove. <laughs> but good. Yeah, <laughs> but good, exactly. The good kind of Rove. So, uh with uh, and you were talking as well about beneficial nematodes yes which was so cool to hear about Can yeah you say a little bit more about those guys yeah uh the beneficial nematode first of all nematodes there's billions of nematode species and there could be more mm-hmm. and they they exist everywhere you walk outside and dig up a, a shovel full of dirt you will find nematodes 
Um, there's parasitic, there's predatory. Um, we're, we're mostly concerned with the parasitic, and then the ones that eat those is the predatories. Um, Wait, so are those bad or good? The predatories, the predatories only eat, the and certain predatories only eat certain pests. And okay. they might only eat certain level. They might only eat the larva right. or, the, exactly. or the juvenile. So the scomitis only can eat the fungus gnat larva, and the rove beetle can only you know, eat the root aphid, and the, sh the Schwartzy can only eat the russet and the cyclamen mite. And so so you, you first identify which, which pest, parasitic pest you have, and then you tailor your IPMs, your predatory mites, to what you have. Whoa. So when yeah. you're talking about something like sustainability and like fixing problems that are unavoidable because we're talking about nature, right. you're using nature to exactly. combat nature. Yes. So that's happening outdoors. So all we're doing with the plants is tricking the plant to thinking it's outside. That's all indoor growing is. You're trying to make the plant think that it's outside. And by introducing these bugs, you're creating life like it is outside because yes. there's bugs outside. Yes. There's bugs everywhere. So why would we, if we had uh, parasitic uh, insects that are eating our plants, why wouldn't we use predator? Because that's what nature, because nature combats it. you spray that shit, dude. You spray that right. shit, <laughs> and then it's done, no. and you're good for a year? No. So I wouldn't And when do you smoke it, you grow no more yeah. hair? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to grow anything that I wouldn't make butter or you know put in a bong. So that's just some integrity as a grower, that, some integrity that we try and stand by. And your strains are all things that you would want to smoke and eat. Yeah, right? absolutely. There's yeah. some beautiful, I know you have some Romulan, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Like you were saying, it was an old school Canadian strain, which yes. I actually didn't know. And, um, and we're both Canadian. Yeah. Just I believe our that. blueberry actually came out of Canada as well. Oh, nice. The old blueberry cut. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what else did we see? We saw some OG. Oh, we have 18. the Gorilla Glue number four, but what cut is the okay. S1. The S1 cut of Gorilla Glue number four. Um, we have the OG18, and it's the Reserva Pravada cut. So a lot of people have the OG18, but the specific Reserva Pravada was released by DNA Genetics mm -hmm. in a small batch. Yeah. Um, we have Diesel Kush, which is actually a headband number one. It's it's called the Britney cut of headband. Um, also very, very rare. Not a, There's one other person in Portland that has it. Wow. Um, and like we were talking about the critical mass, we have yes. a really nice one-to-one -one CBD yeah. THC strain. Which smelled so citrusy and delicious. Very citrusy. It has a tangy smell yep. to it. Will it you is share cross that, with tangy. Will you share that story real quick? With the, the joints? Yes. So back when we were trimming together in a medical grow, we would always mix the green crack, which is now called green C, because we mm -hmm. can't call it green crack anymore, and the to. critical mm -hmm. mass. And that was my working man's joint. It gave you the pain relief of being there trimming all day, but it gave you the ability to continue trimming all day. Yeah. And it tastes oh so good. Right? Yeah. Blue, oh, we, we need to take you guys up into the quarantine room. It smells the blueberry. It smells and tastes like blueberry pie or wait. blueberry muffins. Yeah. Because yeah. we were it's saying amazing. earlier, like I've, uh, I've been presented some things where it's like smell that and you smell it and it's like, mm. it smells good. It smells good. It smells like pot. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which is great. But yeah, like I'm excited to smell, put my nose on a real blueberry. Right. So yeah. back to your question, uh, Mary Jane, about the cuts. We have a bunch of old, what I like to call classic car strains. Yeah. The Romulan, the chocolate chunk, uh, the blueberry, the lemon kush, the Romulan, the Romulan um, even the OG is. It's the chocolate chunk. Mid. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have, and those are those terp profile. And the reason I we're keeping them around is because the terp profiles are very, very unique. Mm. And a lot of the new cuts coming out are really high in mercy, and everyone wants fuel, mercy dominant strains. And we have those. We just got uh, some GMO cookies. We got garlic mints. The uh, motor breath. Motor breath, which is SFVOG crossed with Chemdog, 20, 24 karat gold, 24K. Uh, what else did we get? Mimosa. Which is delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are the Ferrari strains. So we are strains. getting those yeah. strains in as well. We're, yeah. We'll be running those right here in the next few weeks. Yeah. Those are what I like to call the Ferrari strains. And, you know, it remains to be seen. Be for Another example would be like Blue Dream where it was hot for you know, five to ten years. It's still one of the best. The it's most my friend Ryan still favorite. say, yeah, they still yeah, say it's, it's the, the highest selling strait is America wide. The metrics somehow it caught on popular consciousness. People know about it. It got mentioned somewhere and it just sunk, sank into people's brains. Yeah, and that was prior it, to rappers rapping about it. Right, mm-hmm. and it's a solid strain, but it's it kind of every what happened is it got so hot, everyone grew it, and then it fell off the map. So with some of these older strains, they're still pertinent. They're still viable in as far as their turt profile, the the strength of the genetics, and that's another thing is a lot of these genetics were taken to F4 and F5, you know, seven to 10 years of breeding, not two to three. Yeah. And a lot of these new cuts, they're, they're called, um, you know, pollen dumping, where they're just taking them out and just back in and then calling it a new strain. Well, to really stabilize it, it takes a long time. And, and you were saying, uh John, that the plants sort of talk to you, even though they might not use their words, that they communicate, they let you know what they need. Yeah. You find yeah. that like the, I love the botany of desire. Yeah, that is such a cool theory. Mm-hmm. The plants are actually smarter than us, and mm-hmm. and we need them around more than they need us. Right. Um, so that's a cool little theory. But yeah, they, the plants tell you what they need and what they're proficient and deficient in. Um, if you stop long enough to listen to them. I'm sorry. Definitely. I, what is the botany of desire? Botany of desire is a. It was a book. Michael uh, Pollan. Michael Pollan, and they made it into a like a documentary docu series, and they go through what corn, uh, potatoes, tulips, cannabis, and apples, and apples, and apples, mm-hmm. and the cannabis one is the most. Apple one's pretty cool too, but they're talking about um, the evolution of cannabis and the reason it it being having medicinal properties is so that we made sure when other plants were going extinct. That cannabis found a way to survive and thrive through human, uh, through through its relationship with yeah. the human so species. So it evolving and, and and becoming so its genetic footprint is is exponentially larger because of us. Well, the reason that we're keeping it around is because it has medical benefits. So the plant, so the theory is that the plant is smarter than we give it credit for, and possibly smarter than us. How did y'all get into this? Yeah, because you yeah. know <laughs> volumes of stuff, but you're making it accessible to someone like me who doesn't exactly understand it yet but i'm learning and so how did this go i saw a plant i saw a plant outside in northern california and i just i loved it it was nowhere near flower it was the early part of summer and it was down in a creek and i knew i wanted to do it i wanted to work with it that was that i was 17 years old then smoking a joint looking at the plant nope just walking in the woods and being shown somebody's garden being allowed to be taken into somebody else's garden and see it being grown, being manicured, being, you know, Love cultivated that. by human, not just growing in the wild. But So you appreciated it as a, as a cultivator and a grower before you ever... I had smoked it already. Okay. But, yes. But that's when you knew. You saw that's it That's when growing. I knew. Yeah. In the sun, outdoors. You're yeah. in love with Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am married. But. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a uh, kind of a backstory. Um, I've been in the industry or the the cannabis industry uh, since I was 15. My parents had a hemp store in Montana, in Whitefish, Montana, cool. Whitefish Originals, a very conservative town, um, and they went out on a limb um, to open that store, and it was just textiles, and we had bolts of fabric from China, beautiful, like uh, blends of silk, Chinese silk with hemp, and you would never even know it was hemp. It was that amazing. Shoes and, and shampoos and building products and, and wood products. Um, and I, I would come home from high school and, and go and help them operate their store. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I got into it, and we did the Seattle Hemp We'd travel in the country uh, peddling our wares at Seattle Hemp Fest, mm-hmm. and that, that first one, that blew me away, 200,000 people on a weekend. Whoa. And I was 15 or 16. And that was back when the vendors could st- hang out inside. They would lock, like kind of like Oregon Country Fair, where they lock all the vendors in, and it just became a party. Yeah. yeah and right. I'm like, Whoa. I got to meet Jack Herrera. He signed, wow. he signed my airport wears no clothes. Yeah. Met Tommy Chong, got a picture with him. So, so yeah. And so I wasn't, in, I wasn't into particularly the cultivation of, of cannabis sativa, but when I moved to Oregon, uh, I moved to Oregon for the Oregon College of Art and Craft and got into craft, uh, had my degree in, in uh, Bachelor in Fine Arts and Crafts and, and Ceramics specifically. And there I met some really amazing people that uh, turned me on to growing medical. And that's yeah, that's where it all started. And you grew in Washington at a big facility for a while. Right? Yeah, when I graduated college, I got a job offer at a Tier 3. Um, Which is as big as it gets, right? Yeah, 30,000 square feet. That's... Yeah. Crazy. It was eight. I'm picturing like Costco. Pretty like, much. Like, like I Costco. was in shape from walking around that fucker all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being, yeah. I didn't have to work out. Good camps. Yeah. Did you like store yeah. snacks all around the space? Like it, it was had pockets. Fu- yeah. Pockets of snacks for real. Uh-huh. Uh, and then walkie talkies. Even in this facility. Yes. I mean, I'm always thinking about where I snore my snacks. My daughter though. looked at my phone one day and said, dad, you walked eight miles today yeah. and I never left the facility. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. And this is a, a building you'd see in somebody's yard. Yeah. And just up and down the stairs to the trim room. But so that, that was a tier three and that really, cause I grew basement, great basement style. My largest basement was 16 lighter. Mm-hmm. And then I had another home with an eight lighter and it was efficient as hell. 800 square feet, eight lights, the bedroom is as large as the, the flower room. And a lot of people knock on basement grows, but that's where it all started. Yeah. Like, Portland has, some of the best weed in the country because of these basements, the basement grows. We've talked about it a couple of times where it's like, what was it? Apple computers started in a garage. Like it's not magic. It has to start somewhere with someone who cares. Right. That's how it goes. And the basement was kind of out of necessity too. Right. It was grown out of necessity. And, and so it really opened my eyes to see a large facility, a tier three like that. And because the variables are completely like each room was a 60 lighter. So it was eight bays with 60 lights, not including the mom room. And the, the clone room. I don't. I'm There's not, a lot. I don't know how to ask this question about a place like that because I haven't seen one yet. So um, we can edit this out because I'm not looking for shade or gossip. Right. But it sounds a little bit more of like a not a slaughter, like a care, a, a slaughterhouse that cares. Yes, and it was on the some macro. Care. Some care. It was okay. on the macro scale, and honestly that particular, and I won't name any names, that particular grow went too big too fast. Mm. Um, or, and did the cannabis suffer? The, yeah, the cannabis suffered. We, we were running a super skeleton crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had four 
I mean, I'm sure you suffered people. as well. Sorry, not, oh, not asking about goodness. you, but hey, cannabis hey, and people. Did you forget to drink water? Because yeah. you got to drink yeah. water. I mean, it was non so five, so five people. Yeah. <laughs> it was five cultivators. And then we had a packaging department. And the cultivators, we were also the people that harvest the weed Ooh. and trim. And like, mm. it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and it suffered and it went too big too fast. Mm. Especially for way the, the market. And, and Washington's a little different because Seattle is what, more than twice the size of Portland. The Oregon, yeah. the Oregon market's very tough. And so it's nice to be small, micro-tiered, almost a micro-tier, and, and be small-batch, boutique-style craft cannabis. Yeah. Um, because we don't have 400 pounds sitting in the quarantine that we're freaking out about. So you scaled all the way up from the basement grows, and then now you've scaled back down. What prompted yeah. that move? Um, well, I wasn't a part of uh, of the build out. I was just uh, offered a job as a as an assistant head grower, mm-hmm. which and I was there eighteen months, and I learned so much. The head grower was a, was came from a science background, mm-hmm. so all the VPD and everything, you know, all the metrics, everything was on point. Uh, parts per million of runoff and pH, and everything was perfect. And I knew that a little bit in basement growing, but on that scale, everything has to be within the parameters that you set at all times because if you lose a 60 lighter you lose a lot of money so yeah. and that's the other part and so when we went to build the space out the building was already pre-existing so we tr- we tried to build around the parameters that were already set within the walls mm-hmm. um, so initially it was supposed to be uh, two smaller rooms with one larger we decided to split it up into four uh, 14 light rooms mm-hmm. that way we could have a harvest every two to four weeks depending we have eight-week cycle with two weeks of veg time. So, Which you said is fast. Like fast. It's, a, the, it's fast. The turnaround and, and some of the, our, so, yeah. our LEDs are, are maturing the flower a week, a week and a half earlier than the HPS rooms. So we're, we'll, we'll be able to cut that down even more. Did that surprise you that the LEDs are that efficient and effective? Initially, yes, because I've used LEDs in my basement and they were cheap uh, Chinese manufacturing. And yes, they're all manufactured in China, but they were, they were just cheap crappy LEDs that you can buy at Home Depot. And the advertisement is that it will make them faster, but I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So we were skeptical and we, we did a, with Matthew, we did a, a beta test uh, in a tent with, with a ProgroTech LEDs. And by week three, I, I knew, I knew. The PAR readings are just as intense as a double-ended. And not only that, it's a full spectrum. It's yeah. a 6500 K, so it's great. we got blue, red, and UV. And that you can a, just adjust at the touch of a dial, right? Like you yeah, can walk by and see that it needs spectral more tuning, red. And... Spectral tuning. And some strains, so you're talking about uh, some of the older strains. Uh, with indica, we're finding out that the blue spectrum really affects them more because those indicas were evolved in a higher mountain, mid-elevation, mid higher elevation. And with higher elevation, you get the blue spectrum comes through more in a, in, in a mountainous region. So because need, the air is different, the air like the atmosphere, well, the atmosphere is thinner, atmosphere, right? Right. Yeah. It's thinner, so more blue. Interesting. Whereas uh, equatorial strains, sativa specifically, they don't really care about blue. I mean, it'll help them a little bit with internodal spacing, but they care more about red. So we're finding out, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and, yeah. and the tri- the blue really develops the trichens and really de- develops the turf profile, and keeps the, the spacing of the buds really tight, all this, the way from veg all the way through. This is the first time I've sat down with two people who are like controlling the sun Essentially. at a, at a specific yeah. level. Yeah. We're trying is, to recreate it. We're yeah. trying to trick the plants into thinking they're outdoors. That's yeah. really it. I was, as you were describing all of this too, I was flashing to some of my favorite chefs 
who I look at their homes yeah. and they always have like, it's so obvious they built their dream kitchen, right? Yeah. Where it's like yeah, that right. center yeah. island with that smooth marble top and like yeah. all the pans tools are they right need, above. pans are right above it and all of that. And it really sounds like when you two decided to, um, well, however Dutch Valley came about for both of you, you are building your dream kitchen right? at the end of the day. Absolutely. I know. I know. This stuff, like going from the basement girl, this is stuff that I've always dreamed. I've always dreamed about doing sea green. Yeah, and with medical, you can't. It's it's a per root ball basis, per plant basis. So and the hand watering, do you do you like being sort of in conversation with your plants? Yes, on that level, I like hand watering mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. I mean, it seems like it's so much work with mm-hmm. as as much as you have going on. But the plants like for you to be with them too. Yeah, yeah. I I don't like the full automation. Like the, the growers that brag that they haven't been in their room in two to three days. That's a recipe for disaster yeah it's not i'm not a fan of going to whole foods and the red bell peppers get sprayed with water while i'm trying to pick one out and i'm like that's what you're doing for these yeah right right right. totally right yeah so with the with the fully automated so hand watering there's actually been metrics done on that the people that hand water have a 50 percent success as far as yield Mm -hmm. because the reason is is because they're inside the plants every day they're catching powdery long before someone that hasn't been in their room in three days. Yeah. Um, and so you're catching those. And, and for people that say that they don't have any problems is, frankly, BS. It's every, as a grow, you, you run into powdery and you run into two-spot Spider-Man and you run into roof. It's how quickly you capture. You catch that and then react because every grow has, has problems. I don't care where you're at. Right. Well, this kind of like leads to something we were going to talk about, which is innovation (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Dutch Valley Farm specifically. There's a lot of innovation going on to stand out like we were talking about before. And I was just hoping I I don't know how to set up the like I just wanted to hear about all the things that you are doing that set yourselves apart from the rest of the pack. Yeah, I think being being at the level of sustainability that we are is huge. I think another thing for us is we're not just trying to use a wholesaler to get our product out. We're trying Mm -hmm. to build a relationship with each dispensary that we're in. We want reorders five years, 10 years down the line. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about today's sales. We're talking about 15 years. Building long-term relationships is something that's in our corporate culture for sure. 100% because like I said, a lot of, the investors don't, they don't care and they don't care about the employees and they want their money. A lot of our trimmers are, are stay at home moms and dads mm-hmm. and that are like some, a couple of them are single and you know, and, and we've known 90% our, of our, our trimmers, trimmers I've known for years and we've worked together as a group for years for years. So I don't have to go babysit. It's nice to be able to know that they're going to trim it like how, how it needs to be trimmed without me having to, be over their shoulder without using a big machine that yep. takes electricity totally and automated. creates a lot of noise and takes your flower and beats it beats it to a pulp yeah wow are um, you hand trimming absolutely everything is hand Scissors trimmed everything is hand trimmed holy yeah, crap we do cannabis a, right yeah. yeah we do a wet trim where we big leaf and then we hang wow. for 10 days and then we do we'll go back and clean it up we'll show you upstairs before you head can't out can't wait yeah. to see it cool. it just seems like there's so much much trust here Kevin and I have been operating on a handshake if you say something you better live up to it otherwise no one else in portland is going to want to work with you because it's all i mean everyone knows everyone it's the third degree of separation everyone knows everyone if you slight someone someone's going to hear about it and and eventually you're not going to get a call back from anyone and so i i I still live by that and i'm trying to explain that to uh, people that haven't been in the industry to be like you know the handshake means a lot to a grower that means a lot 
Yeah, it's such it's so great, and you guys have uh, like exciting collabs coming up too. You have yeah. you were telling us about a uh, collaboration with, with, with Permaculture Solutions. Permaculture Solutions. What is that going to be? The collaboration. Uh, permaculture uh, Solutions will be a collaboration. Um, uh, Ryan Biglione um, is the owner, and he was I think he was he was the first processing license in Oregon. I know for solventless. Yeah. Yeah, for for solventless a bubble hash, so it'd be fresh frozen solventless. No BHO, hash. no butane, nope. no flammable. Fully solventless. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know about fresh frozen uh, bubble hash, can you break? That's basically just getting the trichomes cold enough to fall off of the plant, right? Like there's no solvent cold in or, gravity. Right. He <laughs> cold, he gets it as cold as you can, and the gravity through the bags. Yeah. It the hash comes out the bottom with a lot of in between. It's the clean. It's ice and water. Just those juicy trichome ice heads and, and nothing water. else. Ice and water. And when you see it, you're like, you're like, that was ice and water? Amazing. And the, and the terps, so nothing gets compromised. A terpenes burn off at a very low temperature, and different terpenes burn off at different temps. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times in the post-processing of some of these uh, solvent-based uh, extracts, the, a lot of the terps get burnt out, and that's why some, some of the vape pens just taste like burnt popcorn. And, right. Right. With the fresh frozen... I realize that we're on the radio, or excuse me, on the internet, but this is a picture of some hash that he had made, and you can just see that's... Yeah. It just looks like... Whoa. It is looks it, like would honey. You sending that? Would, could we post that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's Absolutely. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. It's beautiful. I mean, it's That's sort of from like, Gorilla Glue. That's you like make me want to like stick my tongue out under it like a pigeon yeah. snowflake. Yeah. Seriously. It's white as snow. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like the really, really, really old school uh, dry sift hash. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and that level exactly. of perfection, right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. With ice and water. Even yeah. a level <laughs> above dry sift. Yeah. yeah, it's so great to like nerd out with y'all. Seriously, like this is exactly. I love this. Oh. Like, this is great. Yeah, I love nerding out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, um, on the right subject. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking about something that's wrong, sorry about you. Uh, what I, I was hoping to talk a little bit about nature with both of you because I come from the city. My hands are soft. I don't. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And it seems like both of you are. Um, like I, okay, here's, here's a better way to say it. When I think about something like this, I, my initial instinct is, oh, I get to play God, but there seems to be like, there's not that ego that I really expected for something like this, Mm. where you're not really playing God. You're playing a part of something bigger than yourselves. For me, it's because this is what I see every day. Oh, this is another picture. We live in nature at its finest yeah and if we get a chance to participate in this yeah what what can make me happier yeah i i understand what you're saying about playing god though by by, uh by manipulating plants to thinking they're indoors i don't see it that way no i see them as the god and us as the servant really Mm. see it the other way around yeah absolutely yeah because if if we are not more powerful those plants will kick our ass you know if, if we're not good to them so we are the servants for sure. And you can go out and look in our compost pile and we have to tear out plants that that we've gotten rid of because we have too many in the bedroom. And so the older ones will move on. If we don't chop them down, we'll go out there in three days and they'll be growing. Yeah, volunteering out. They, which we can't have because that's wow. an yeah. illegal grow. But uh-huh. we have to pay attention to that because the plants will yeah. outlive us for sure. They yeah. want to thrive. They want to thrive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and, and that's another awesome thing about this company. It's minority owned. Very yeah. cool. Kevin and I are the minority here. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So then how did you get involved with 
Dutch Valley Farms, or how did Dutch Valley Farms come about? As uh, actually, my girlfriend uh, Lou uh, knew the real estate agent looking at this property, and they introduced me to these guys, and and it was just a, ha- a weird happening. I didn't. I had left Washington. It'd been about six months. And I was living in my friend's basement, just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Had a bunch of money saved, and I was okay. fishing five days a week. Great. Yeah, taking my boat out, and the boat launch was a mile away from my house, and, and so it was, it was a perfect little meeting. Yep. And then immediately I, I interviewed, and they were sold. So. No, Handshake deals. So. Yeah. And I haven't interviewed yet. I'm still waiting for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Anthony, if you're listening. John, Johnny <laughs> called me and said, I'm ready for you to come work with me. And wow. that was basically, yeah. we worked together. And he was like, when do you want to start? I'm like, can you start tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And here we are. This is so cool. Yeah. I'm uh, going on 11 months here at Dutch Valley on the 23rd. Congrats. Yeah. Wow, Congratulations man. on a beautiful operation and gorgeous facility. Thank you. I'm excited to see the blueberry uh, <gasps> oh, upstairs. Speaking oh. of that, it just, I have one more question. Yeah. It, it would have to be um, favorite mm. strain and also favorite snack. Grower's choice. Uh, does it have to be uh, edible or a, no, a no. special snack? Any oh. kind of food. No. Favorite strain. Ooh. For me, it's tough because critical mass is going to be my favorite strain, but it's a low THC. So I tend to mix it with something else. Mm-hmm. Like a spliff, kind of. Like a spliff. But I don't use tobacco. I use different types of cannabis. Uh-huh. Great. We were talking earlier, and it's like when you get two jelly bellies, mm. you make cream soda out of Absolutely. a root beer and a vanilla. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, what's that? So that spliff would be. I would say it'd be critical mass, and at this point, I would say blueberry would go in it just perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm. I would say my daily driver would be Romulan. It's it's uh, people with uh, medical problems have been using Romulan. And it's an old one. They've been using it for medicinal uh, reasons for many years. And it's one that's just, if I'm having a bad day or an anxiety, boom, immediately. But to really, the party strain would probably be that Gorilla Glue cut or the OG for sleep. I mean, it's just so sedative. Just knock you you on the couch. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Especially after you go, go, go all day. Yeah. I need mm-hmm. something to like let the sand stiff to the bottom. Yep. I am definitely an indica smoker. I, yeah. Sativa makes my mind race too much. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm more of the indica. Right. There have been times I've smoked sativa and it's, I can like hear teeth chattering. You can get uncomfortable. I can yeah. get uncomfortable. Seriously. Yeah. I'm in like my bathtub with a toothbrush cleaning the tile <laughs> yeah. grout. You know? There you go. You need to clean the house. <laughs> yeah. There it is. That's it. Smoke, smoke a sativa. The, smoke the J1. <laughs> yeah. That's it. The J1. That'll mm-hmm. get you going. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then what about for a, for a good snack? Oh, when yeah, you've snacks. got that, uh, that like, ooh. I'm going to say ice cream every time. Heck yeah. yeah. I have my um, Chipotle smoked almonds. What? Yo, yeah, what? they're delicious. Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna grab them right yeah, <laughs> as he wheels over to a drawer and opens it. <laughs> oh, it's got a huge. Snack. Oh, you're getting some out. I have a snack drawer. Yes. Yeah, it's got a huge a padlock drawer. on it. He just entered ten Slow codes. Down. That's key. Get out some almonds, bust it. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yes, please. Thank you. That's great. Right. Like, put I put a little crunch in the in the noise. Heck yeah. Here we go. Thank you. Mm. This is great. Like as we wrap up, just snacking. This is mm. what it's all about. This is what weed and grub is. Like <laughs> this is it. So we have to be Ooh, efficient as heck, and we don't really take lunches. So we eat on the go, and we snack all the time. I eat a sandwich five days a week. Kevin shares a sandwich with me almost That's, every day. Wait, did you just say everything's a sandwich? 
No. <laughs> Everything's a sandwich for him. For him. That is, there is no, I don't stop and take a half hour It's lunch. like a pasty. I don't know if you got Michigan. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a grab and as go. As you're filling a tank up, you sit there with your sandwich and you eat it. Oh. Mike would agree with you that, you know, all meals should be a sandwich. All meals should be a sandwich. Easy right. We had pockets. tried to make a pack that Fridays was going to be our go out to lunch day. And I think it's been a, about a month or so since we've gone out on a Friday. Yeah, I, think, I think we're due for a Friday lunch, for sure. Is it Friday? No, today is... What is it? <laughs> You're asking the wrong question. <laughs> Nobody here knows what day it is. Uh, it's Tuesday. It's the 16th. Tuesday. Oh, man. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> I swear it's Friday. Um, Every day is Friday. Um, well, before we go and look at the... Um, uh, blueberry and other things that we're going to see. Can you give us um, some plugs where where people can find you? What yeah. to follow on Instagram? If you have personal Instagrams that people can look at? Well, Cured Green in Portland, they are our first store. They're the first store that carried our product, and they started with our OG Kush, and they now have our J1, um, a, a few others as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mount Hood Cannabis, if you want to be heading up towards Mount Hood and go hiking up to a beautiful lake you can stop at mount hood cannabis and pick up our green sea you can pick up our jack herrera there as well Oregon bud company i mean we're in, i think we're in about 40 stores Oregon bud company just picked up some weed yesterday all the way mm-hmm. down to medford to the southern mm-hmm. coast mm-hmm. all the way up here awesome and people can um check out at dutch valley farms on instagram and the website is uh Dutch dot or dutchvf.com dot com. Right? and then Perma, permaculture solutions on Instagram. I think that's their handle. Yes, as well. Mm-hmm. Check them out. Awesome. And are both of you off the grid, or are you on social media and addicted like I am? I am, but I don't do bookface. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instagram is enough for me. And totally. My thirteen-year-old daughter was thrilled when she got to put Instagram on my phone because I had to have Instagram for this place. Yeah. So I am very much off the grid. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Y'all, this has been not only like educational and fun, but y'all have just really great vibes to you. Thank, Thank you. you so That's much really for nice. having us. Thanks Thank for you interviewing. So much for having us. Our pleasure. If you want to follow us, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram as well as weedandgrub.com. There's going to be some beautiful pictures from this episode, so make sure you check everything out. Thank you and bye, everybody. Bye.